You're listening to We, we, we the Aether Podcast, with host Adam Evans, within and without. Welcome. What's up, everyone? Hope you're having a great day, as always. In this episode, I have a conversation with Aaron Alexander from Align Podcast. And we are both very like-minded in the sense that we promote health and fitness by way of movement, functional movement, uh, just how you move your body, your meat vehicle, flesh and bones around the world is super important. It's something that I've promoted and discussed on previous episodes, YouTube videos, and basically Aaron explains and articulates uh, very nicely how functional movement therapy can be improved in your day-to-day life. And uh, towards the end of the episode, we get into Aaron's program where he can actually help recode, I like to use that word, recode your movement throughout the day so that it's as optimal as possible, so that you're in the best possible positions. And uh, we also get into some other really cool stuff in this episode, such as meditation and um, some other really cool things. And I encourage you to visit Aaron's website, check out his podcast as well. Uh, Also visit him on Instagram and all of that information is going to be in the show notes here. Uh, If you want to watch the YouTube video for this episode, you're more than welcome to do so at youtube.adamevans.ca or just visit the the links that are available in the description and show notes of this episode as well and it's all there for you. So uh, without further ado, I leave you with myself and Aaron in conversation and I thank you in advance for listening. Take care. Mr. Evans. Oh, shoot. Okay. Dude, I'm so sorry about miscommunication. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Okay. Oh, shoot. Okay, there we go. Wow, you are so much clearer than I am. That looks good. <laughs> good. You say I'm clear, clearer than you. Yes, much clearer than my, than my camera. Like, I was just trying to wipe off my webcam because I, I keep it covered just because I'm a paranoid and it gets you'll probably camera. You'll probably make up for it in mental clarity. Uh, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Dude, you got some anatomical 2d anatomy doing some flexing that's good mine are just in like a, oh these things yeah, here yeah yeah standard anatomical position that's you legit. know I actually i want to get the um what's it called the uh trigger point chart and put it up there next yeah those are nice so yeah. do you do body work then um yeah and that's kind of why it, it was funny i hadn't come across your uh content um up until you know recently up until like i reached out to you recently yeah. um and I think it was through uh, Aubrey's podcast. I saw you did something there. And then just through the fact that uh, I'm actually a, a mobility wad ambassador. So, um, so I, I, I kind of not, not so much know to the extent that you do Kelly, uh, but uh, you know, I've, I've spoken with that whole team and I have to create content for them on a regular basis as well. Okay. So um, it's just kind of neat. It all sort of aligned, you know, pun intended, but uh, yeah. in, in that sense. Yeah. That's dope, man. So what what does being a a mobility wide ambassador uh, mean exactly? So basically just that I create, uh, it roughly works out to like one or two pieces of content per month and it's kind of uh, free reign. I can do it however I want. So uh, usually it's like myofascial release, uh, foam rolling, um, some yoga, stretching stuff, band work, things like that. And just giving people routines and then sort of engaging with the mobility wide community trying to raise awareness for functional movement, um, all that stuff. Very much in line with what you're involved in. Um, And I actually was listening earlier today, um, just I wanted to be a little up to speed, but I was listening to one of your uh, podcast episodes with Kelly. Yeah. It was, he's been on three times, uh, three or four times. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, very cool. Did you listen to the most, the most recent one? I think it was the most recent one, yeah. And um, is it that you guys sit down in person and do them or do you do them by like kind of like what we do? We do no, in, in, pers- in person. The other, the other, I think both the other, I think I did three, the other two were via Skype, but I, okay. I pretty much don't do, I rarely do in-person interviews with people. Like I'm fine being, you know, people talking to me, but I don't, I don't usually do um, Skype with other people anymore. Okay. Unless okay. they're in like Belgium or something like that. I really want to talk to them. But if uh-huh. they're in the United States, I'll usually, cause I live in LA. So I'll just like wait till they're in LA or fly to them or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sort of puts you very nearby. A lot of people that are in the functional movement, mm-hmm. health and fitness space being where you are. Yeah. Uh, pretty neat. Everybody, everybody passes through here at some point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm up in Canada, uh, oh, in, Tor- in Toronto. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's not quite the same. I mean, sometimes there's like um, uh, events and seminars and things like that. And a lot of times it gets really good when the people from the States come up to visit those events, you know, because I find a lot of people are in California. What uh, province are you in? Ontario, Toronto, Ontario, like literally just uh, little New York. Think of it as I used little. to play, I used to play hockey in, in, uh, in Kitchener. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's in Ontario as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'd go up. I'd go up there. That'd probably be better. I nice. go up there. Um, yeah, like once a year and do like this tournament. Okay. Yeah, it's fun. So I grew, up in, I grew up in Pennsylvania, so I was nearby. Okay. Did you do like hockey? To to what degree? Like professionally? Like I know I'm not too familiar with it, but I know it goes like double A, triple A, such and such, such and such, and it keeps going yeah. till, till NHL at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I played like like high school like junior hockey and stuff i didn't i didn't go well okay. i moved to, i moved to hawaii when i was 18 so there's not a lot of strong hockey yeah. hockey uh yeah. culture out there so yeah that was the end that was the end of that mm-hmm. cool yeah well that's that's a just odd fact i did not know that that's pretty neat but um, yeah, yeah. I, I personally have not played too much ice hockey oh dude I, i've done more of the breaking the canadian code thing. i know i'm actually more on the football side like i played that all throughout high school um yeah that's yeah, pretty that's much my thing. Different. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so just to give you kind of a um, breakdown of how I do these episodes, like I put the videos on YouTube, uh, which is on my personal YouTube channel. I put all your info in the description below. I'll do a brief introduction to the video, um, but it, it's I, it's not going to do justice to how you would summarize what you're involved with. So yeah, no to kick yeah, it do it. I didn't do it. Yeah, mind just uh, breaking down for anyone that's listening, watching what it is you do, what you're involved with. Yeah, sure. So, um, so I've been doing kind of a hybrid of, of manual therapy and you call it like physical therapy or movement coaching for, it's been professionally, it's been the last 15 years and that's evolved um, into being really more enamored with things like dance and martial arts and general movement. You know, if you can get to your, yourself to the point where you're moving therapeutically or functionally in any given moment, then your life becomes uh, healing, essentially. Um, and so that's been, uh, it's like it eventually evolved into starting the podcast. That was about four years ago where I got to bring on various experts of all sorts from all around the world. Um, and now I'm doing a book on the matters. And the big thing, the big idea of that is that 100% of the time, we're always doing fitness. You know, there's no differentiation. Your body doesn't know the difference between I'm in the gym, I'm in yoga, I'm, you know, taking a poop, I'm chopping vegetables. Your body is always building itself. It's always deconstructing. And so if we can educate, have a baseline education on what does effective movement look like, 
you know, what's the baseline of that? And we can integrate those principles into our life. Um, then it's like, it's like the fountain of youth in a lot of ways. Um, so now that's the focus is, is doing the book and doing more workshops and speaking and, and things like that, kind of speaking to, to larger audiences than just one-on-one clients. Mm-hmm. And, and is that what you were doing prior was mostly just the more hands-on approach, one-on-one treating people individually? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was about 10 years of specifically like just working in one-on-one with clients, occasionally doing workshops and stuff like that. Um, and then there's kind of like inevitably, like that's the way the evolution goes, I think with most people where you're like, okay, I've, I've repeated this message at this point, like thousands of times. And how do I, you know, pre-record this and how do I create yeah. a larger, larger impact? So that turned into to podcasting and more like social media stuff. And, um, now the book, the books, the books do out not for another year or so. Um, but that's going to be, you know, a big cornerstone of everything. Uh-huh. And how did all of this evolve for you? Like, how, how do you find, so you kind of mentioned there, like you reach a point where you say, where, where does it go from here? Like, what am I doing now yeah. to further evolve? How did, how did that arise to you? Mm, I think just the, the sensation of um, like spinning your wheels, you know, and feeling, I think it's just a natural feeling to want to continue to level up, you know, step up, yeah. like be challenged, you know, so you get to a point where something that did make you nervous at one point, then just doesn't give you any of that endorphin rush, you know, so you're like, okay, yeah. well, how, what kind of situation yeah. can I put myself that makes me feel like I'm going to pass out before I do it. Um, and so that to me translates to like more public speaking or, you know, doing interviews or being interviewed with people that make me nervous. Um, you know, all that stuff is, it's just, it's like a drug, I guess, really. It's yeah, like, true, true. like yeah. it's like a hedonic trip. Yeah. 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 That's very cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I sort of get the same, the same thing myself and I'm, I'm just a creative individual and a very entrepreneurial in a sense, like much like you are. And uh, it's just a question that always arises for me is how does, how does that next, where does that next step come and how is it like visualized before you, like, you know, where do you go from or how do you go from where you were at and take that next step and, you know, and bring that forth and how does that materialize for you? It's just, it's always an interesting question for me is the creative process. Um, So like, did you go straight from one-on-one teaching to then, Look, was it your podcast? You started once you were doing the one-on-one and then you, you started it from there. Was that what you said four years ago, right? Yeah. There's a, there's a quote that I have written on my wall recently. I listened to this, like this, like, um, this guy, it's kind of like motivation, kind of whatever manifestation tape sometimes, but there's a quote from, from a fellow called William James, which is quite, quite famous fellow. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says the greatest discovery of our generation is that people can alter their, their lives by altering the states of their mind. And, uh, just as you were, as you were speaking before, mm-hmm. that was, I was like, Oh, like that's, that's the perfect, that's the quote. Yeah. Like it, it yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know, so when we're trying to create something, I think so often we, you know, what did they say? Like we have like 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Throughout, that, throughout yeah. that, most of those thoughts are repetitive, you know? So that's just this, this habitual repetition over and over again for the last week, month, year, fucking decade. Um, you know, so if you can start to take control of those thoughts, then that I think really is like, at first you might not necessarily see the growth right away. You might feel maybe a little more pep in your step or it might be a pain in the ass. Um, but with time, you really do see growth if you can get control of of your mind and what you're thinking about. But most of us think about depressive shit, you know, Mm -hmm. and we're worried about what, what's, you know, all the terrible things that are going to happen. And then 
we end up fulfilling that prophecy and we're like, aha, I was right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I win. I won. Yeah. I won. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I broke my leg. I did it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, there's another quote actually. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm doing it justice, but it's, it's essentially that your future self beckons to you to calls to you in the present. And, and it's all just a matter of making that shift or that slight, you know, directional change so that you align to it and that you stay consistent so that you, so that you align to it. Um, yeah, but it's, it's just it's a beautiful philosophy. Of, yeah, it's figuring out how to get out of the way of your future self. You That's know? exactly it. That's getting, yeah, getting it. I'm, I'm actually a huge proponent of uh, sort of a Zen Buddhist philosophy. And, and, in, and a large part of that, I feel, is just getting out of the way. Just letting, just letting things flow naturally as a river, you know? Yeah, but the train of that six to 80,000 thoughts, it's like there's so much it's rough. on that train. You know, so in order to, to derail that... Um, it's just, you really have, like, I just got a freezer delivered to my house like two hours ago. Um, I, I could almost show you, it's, it's sitting in the back porch. So okay. I got an infrared sauna on one side, then I got the freezer on the other side. So I go from sauna into freezer, which is like really like pretty yeah, yeah. high leverage biological impact, I think. And uh, I think that's one of those things where it's like, just force yourself. Can I swear? Do I swear? Oh yeah, go for it. Knock yourself force up. yourself, just dra grab yourself by the neck and force yourself to sit in the fucking freezer for mm -hmm. seven minutes, you know? And at first it's like terrible and the freezer is a metaphor you know, or literal. Um, but at first it's terrible, but eventually your body starts to build up the cold shock proteins and the, you know, whatever, you know, it's, but we, it's, it's being willing to force yourself in those situations that feel uncomfortable at first and do that regularly until eventually they become, you know, a part of you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's, that's tendential i have i get that with the and then luckily we're, i'm up in here in canada so when, when winter comes the the jump into the snow is much easier than having you know needing a freezer um right. but but actually in the winter uh i made a little igloo in the backyard Dope. and i would just go in like just just boxers i might have been thrown on instagram stories but just go in and sit there and yeah it's like progressively getting better at just being able to chill in the snow just sitting there I think you had Wim Hof on your uh, podcast as well, right? Yep. Yeah. So just just staying with that, and um, you know, obviously he's a master of that. Um, but I progressively, I, I preach to try to start with the cold showers, and it doesn't necessarily have to be cold because when I tell people that they freak out. But start at like the medium, or you know, just just start at the comfortable place, and then slowly, progressively make it colder, 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 and then increase the duration in which you can stay in there. And then you know, you get to the point where you're such as yourself jumping into freezers and stuff like that but um, <laughs> yeah. some most people won't get to that point but there's there's a small percentage that will so yeah it's probably yeah you're probably fine if you don't get a freezer for your porch and get in but yeah. uh, it's one of the actually for folks listening um if you're experiencing any kind of like anxiety or depression or you know low energy or immune system you know problems um cold thermogenesis is like one of the highest leverage tools that we have on our on our tool belt yeah, so there's heaps and heaps of studies. I'm doing a chapter in this book right now about um, all just the the effects with lifting depression with people. Just like like small amounts of cold works, but they did like cold showers. So if you get a freezer, you're like super stepping it up. Um, or even just like going outside, taking your freaking jacket off, like stuff being mm -hmm. pansy. Yeah, like your your body. That's like Wim stuff comes originally from like Tumo meditation. Then he has his own spin on it. But people are doing this all around the world. You know, this isn't a Wim Hof thing, or it's not. It's it's like he's popularizing it. But this is has been happening and continues to happen, and will continue to happen to anybody that's really like you know cares about 
feeling, you know, and challenging themselves a little bit more. And I think that's a core root of depression is not feeling challenged, not feeling like you have purpose. Mm -hmm. So at a biological level, our cells want purpose too, you know? And so if they, if you're always in this auto regulated temperature room where it's always like 69 degrees or whatever, and you know, the food gets delivered to your face and then someone just opens your jaw and puts it in your body gets bored and it gets depressed and starts wigging out. You know, so like we need that other side of the equation, which is like we need to be challenged to get the food. We need to be challenged to get the girl, to get the job. If you don't have that, you just, it's super, I mean, it's paradoxical. It's super like almost ironic that we need that like stress in order to feel happy, healthy, whole, all that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people end up just creating that stress for themselves. In, in totally. If you don't have the stress, yeah, you start making these arbitrary, yeah. strange, yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Stress is just so, if you don't have stress, you'll create stress. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, as, you're, as you were saying, we said we're in these climates, so there are sort of these set temperatures, these like comfort zones that we're in. I, I, I'm just looking at your, the back walls of your place, and I consider this all the time. And I'm sure if you've done any sort of psychedelics, you do as well, but I see the back walls of my place. And just the fact that we're in these confined, squared off white boxes is quite yeah. interesting. Um, I, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of nature bathing, walking outside barefoot, as little as as little clothing as possible. And I'm sure it arises some questions of my neighbors when I walk around doing that. But like in the summertime, especially, I'm just out boxers. I'll walk around the block barefoot just because I think that there needs to be that connectivity to something that's more rooted in truth, something yeah. that's more just more real, more tangible, you know, yeah. something that's outside the realm of these sort of constructed environments that we've set up for ourselves, you know, these comfort zones. Yeah. Any form of evolution is dependent upon those of us willing to be different. It's another quote from somebody, you know, and so that's like, we, we you know, like the idea of like crabs in a bucket. Yeah. You, yeah. That idea? you know, so they're like pulling, clawing each other. You know, if one of, one of the crabs, maybe it's lobsters, anyways, one of those crustaceans, mm -hmm. if they try to get out of the bucket, the, uh, all the other ones will like gang up and like literally like, chop their freaking claws off, chop their legs off to pull them back in. And that's what, what people are. You know, if, if someone, even if they're, if everyone's killing themselves and they're just slamming EMF and bullshit and, you know, toxic water and plastic, you know, whatever it is, um, into their face, if that's normal, if someone goes out and like takes their shirt off and takes their shoes off and like exposes themselves to the sun, all those people will pull them back in because it makes, you know, it's, it's like, it, it makes us uncomfortable. Right. But you yeah, know, so, here's a, here's a theory I have on that. Uh, so yeah, I, just want to interject. Yeah. I think it's people such as yourself, such as Wim, such as Aubrey, such as many, many different people. And, and the, just the, the rush of information and how fast the internet is making everything. It's, it's those individuals that are causing a shift in that, in that sense, because those individuals are confident they're going out with confidence in, in those clothes. So they're, when, when the crabs are clawing at them and this and that, they're still able to do what they're like, get, get past it, get through it. If someone's trying to pull you back into some sort of consensus reality or certain understanding of a, of a, of a way of being, those people are confident enough to, to press on, so to speak. Uh, but getting to that, it's getting to that point where you are confident enough that that's like, I feel like that's like a really huge conversation, you know, getting to the point. Yeah. Cause if you're, so I've been, you know, grateful, lucky, whatever, enough blessed to have like just passively, I have decent genetics. Like my dad was, you know, he was a model and my mom was like, Miss Penn. Mm. I, in a sense, I'm almost like we, I've been able to okay with doing this stuff and being different. And, um, 
you know, but I, I, I've always looked like I'm in shape, you know, but for the person that doesn't look like they're in shape, being willing to, to make that gap, you know, it was like, oh shit, like I don't, I don't necessarily look like, I, I don't have the results to back up what I'm doing, but I know that that's the, um, but I'm, I'm on the path, baby. You know, so if you mm-hmm. can just have that confidence, even without the superficial validation, that was kind of like a long meandering way of, of saying that, but it's, that's, yeah. It's, Finding that that piece of confidence, no matter no matter what the the circumstance, I think it's, you know, that's that's the big conversation is figuring that out. Because once you figure yeah. that out, then you stay on that path, and then in one year, two years, three years, like you have huge shift. But it's that normalcy that pulls you back into. Yeah, um, actually, I, I would even I was when you had said that sort of genetically. Um, I, I, I've also toured with the idea that, um, and, I, and I've spoken, I've had conversations with, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Ramdas, um, yeah. uh, Baba Ramdas on Instagram, um, but I actually had a Skype call with him going back like a year and a half or so ago. Um, but he's, he's a believer of, and I sort of, have, I've kind of uh, <laughs> toyed with this idea as well. It's good, it's good. But that, I don't think that necessarily the genetic and the fact that it's not like a, a roll of the dice it is a roll of the dice, but I think that there's some involvement of one's, um, well, I don't like to use the word higher self, but you know, higher consciousness, higher calling. But I feel like there's some choice in regards to that, to the birth of the individual prior to their conception or inception here through, you know, in, in, our, in our plane, in our existence. Um, so I, I feel like you, and I, I feel a similar way because genetically I feel like I'm kind of like, we got lucky, I got man. Lucky. I got pretty lucky. Yeah. Oh, it's not, I mean, like I'm a tall you start, dude. You, I can, started I off on, load, you know, yeah. yeah. You started off on third base. Like, don't be yeah. too excited yeah. if you make it home. But I feel like karmically speaking, it's it's just part of that individual's purpose calling to to you know have that birth with those genetics. I feel like the the individual chooses their parents in some way prior to being conceived. So I, I and I discussed it with Ramdas because he's just, you know he's out there and if you listen to some of his lectures it's really you know really interesting but um yeah it's, it's just something I, i've thought of and people that feel that they don't have good genetics i feel like everyone has their their own sort of purest highest good that they can attain you know given their circumstances i feel like everyone I, I try to push everyone to lift weight and do deadlifts and stuff like that because i feel like when i walk see people walk around i'm like oh that guy could probably lift a lot but he doesn't know it like I see the yeah. potential in so many people. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of just getting caught up in, in feeling that you have no potential, feeling that you didn't get the greatest genetics. And, and I just, I, I almost want it to be part of the discussion that it's almost like a, a, an individual's higher purpose or choice to just however they come out is that's it. That's the way it's supposed to be in a way. Yeah. And no matter what your circumstance, like there's something that culturally is accepted as being like genetically gifted or whatever. But at one point, in time, not that long ago, like women that were really fat were considered more attractive because it was an indication that they're eating, you know, and it was an indication like, oh, they're like wealthy, you know, or like going to like China for God dang, I think like over a thousand years, like foot binding. That was only outlawed in the end of the 20th century. I saw some pictures of that on you know, Google images. It freaks me out when I see that. Yeah. You know, so they're starting doing that from like age four years old because, you know, once the foot gets too big, it makes it real pain. They ask to bind it, um, you know, and that's like, another example of, you know, that was what we conceived as being really beautiful. So really, like when I say I'm genetically, you know, I, I, I got lucky, like I started off on it, like at least second base. Mm-hmm. 
that's what we currently have to live right. You know, that's all that's all relative to what we, you know, what the world, however we, we perceive things to be beautiful. Like look at like supermodels. They're weird. You know, like look like runway models, dear God. You know, like huge, lanky, and not not that you need to be that way to be that, but like that's something that's applauded. Like you need to throw up your food. Again, this is not like a hundred percent of runway by any means, but nonetheless, it's like there's just so many in, like mental imbalances in that because we're not looking for health here. Health isn't sexy. That's we don't give a shit about health. No yeah. pull-ups, don't do pull-ups. That'll mess your shoulders up. <laughs> you know, like we don't want muscle on your arms. So it's all relative. Um, you know, but within that, I think that the real value is just that. I heard this from somebody else. It doesn't matter what, what, what base you were born on. It just matters how fast you run. You know, and that's the thing. It's like with deadlifting, no matter what, if a person deadlifts 135 pounds or you know, 415 pounds or whatever it is, um, all that matters is that they're at their edge. If you're at your edge, then you can get along with anybody that's at their edge. Mm-hmm. You, know, mm-hmm. you can share that thing together because everyone has a different, you know, a different aspect of their life that they can be at their edge with. You can learn something from everybody, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think that's how that confidence is developed that, um, you know, in order to, to keep pushing and just to keep trying to better yourself in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, so I, I just, I kind of, we weird off track from, I had some <laughs> set questions I wanted to ask, but can you get into some, some rolfing stuff? Um, mostly because I've talked about rolfing briefly, very briefly okay. on YouTube videos. And I'm talking oh, like cool. probably under two minutes. So uh, I know it's something that, and it's something I, I'm, I, I think is a really great practice. Probably, I, I mean, I would argue it's better than a lot of the other ones that I've tried. I mean, I've done acupuncture. I've done just about everything you can imagine. I actually haven't had rolfing done before, and I'm, I'm just so interested in it. So structural integration is what originally Ida Rolf called rolfing, um, and it was, that's, that term is a really beautiful way of describing it. We're looking to, to organize and integrate your foot to your knee, to your pelvis, to your spine, to your head. And one of the main focuses of Ida's work was organizing the body around this, this gravitational field. You know, and so it's that, that stress pushing down on your body. If you can find alignment from your foot to your knee, to your pelvic floor, to your respiratory diaphragm, to your head, neck, shoulders, then that push becomes paramount to your survival and to your health and the circulation of all the fluids in your body and the healing of your cells. Um, if you have imbalance or torque twist throughout that system, now all of a sudden that pressure breaks the system. Right? And so what the intention of something like structural integration, which is what she strongly preferred to call it. It wasn't called rolfing until like she was like getting to the end of her, her line. People say like they're getting rolfed, which sounds super creepy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first time I heard there was, I was, I was in a restaurant and this, this um, guy, he was, he was gay and uh, he was like telling me he was like super fabulous gay, which is just great. Okay. My, yeah. my favorite form. That exactly. Like, oh my God. Time. He comes in he's like, oh my God, I got Rolf so good last night. I'm like, ah, too much information. You know, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. now I'm like, oh, now I'm a Rolfer. Here I am. Um, you know, but it, so the, I don't think the branding is exactly on point with it. Yeah, it almost sounds like an app. Like it could be like a gay app, you know. <laughs> Pop on Rolf and go get I Rolf found it very. I I love homosexuality. I support all free love. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, yeah. That was what I, I thought it was. It's like it sounds very homoerotic to me. Yeah, though. yeah. Well, we have I'm gay gonna, pride. I, I'm going to go to school for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's something, yeah, something you you learned in school, and it, well, you're lucky it didn't catch on, anyways. Uh, yeah. Although maybe after this video, who knows? I think you see some memes or something. Yeah, but so yeah, so that's that's the point is is looking at the body in relation to gravity and specifically working um, with connective tissue, 
Uh, so connective tissue being like fascia is kind of like, you know, the famous term for what, what one would be thinking about as a rolfer, but it's not just fascia, you know, it's, it's nervous system. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's everything like you're going, you know, bones. It's not just, you can't isolate one thing that becomes just as dogmatic as any other approach. But so it's like slow kind of deep ish, oftentimes not always pressure to allow connective tissue to rehydrate itself. When we get stuck bound in a position from like repetitive use, say you're texting all day long, that those tissues, they literally get bound and stuck. They call it agglomerated together. And if that tissue is stuck and bound, it can't move fluid through it. If you can't move fluid through that tissue, it can't heal. And so what we're doing is, a, you know, any kind of body worker, yoga instructor, Olympic lifter, you know, anything like that, as you're looking to realign those joints and that connective tissue so that fluid can permeate and the body can come online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. rolfing kind of is like a, it's like a hands-on approach of helping that happen. Very cool. Yeah. And now you you said it was like an energetic field as well. It, it comes into play. Like it's like almost like an aura that it, that is considered. No, Ralph would like, she'd like turn over in her grave if that was, if that was spoken oh, okay. in relation to her, but well, she was into all that stuff. That was her thing. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. Uh, but I um, said, gravi- I said gravitational field. Oh, gravitational. Oh, just, okay. Just just straight up weight of existing and walking around and yeah, 9.8 know, meters per second squared. You know, you have that, that pressure keeping you, you know, on earth. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, sometimes, um, just person personally, I feel like I get wound up quite a bit, and that's why I just have an interest in in rolfing. I actually have a standing desk is is something I made a huge switch to doing because yeah. um, it was it was becoming an issue just sitting constantly. Um, even right now, like as I'm standing here, I'm just trying to do like a little yoga pose and just keep adjusting as as we're talking. But it's like something I'm I'm just trying to always be aware of because I find if I do get too locked down in certain areas. And the circulation thing makes total sense, but it's almost energetically, I just start to decline so fast. Like it just, and it happens. Like if I sit for an hour, two hours in an awkward position, it, it's like the rest of the day can be just thrown off energetically for me if I don't make some sort of adjustment or correction to that. Yeah. Uh, and I think rolfing is one of the quickest, from my understanding, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the quickest mediums in order to achieve the, the alignment or the correction. Uh, because sometimes I'll go to, individual practices or, or practitioner, practitioners like uh, chiropractors or acupuncturists or just certain uh, registered massage therapists, but they only will treat or focus that one aspect of what, what it is they do. But Rolfing seems to be more of like a, more of a unified approach to just the human physiology and, and making an adjustment to it so that it does flow properly. I think it all depends yeah. on the Rolfer, you know, so okay. with, with anything I would, I would look at the life experience. Like, look at you know, actually being there. I think that you can only, it's like if you, when there's, there's some kind of like metaphor, or whatever, if, you know, if you, if someone's lost, what is, what is a metaphor of like, man, I'm spacing it. If you're out in the woods, <laughs> I'm out in the woods, lost my, my own, my own idea. Um, but if someone's lost and you have them be your guide to, to take you through the woods, like you're going to end up just lost with that person, you know? And so with a body worker or a talk therapist or, you know, any fill in the blank, a friend, a relationship of any sort, a business partner, um, really just look at what's the journey that they've been on themselves. You know, and if that, if it's like, cool, you seem like you're on to some good stuff there. I don't care what they're doing. I want to know what they're, I want to know what they're doing. <laughs> you know, I don't care what their education or their background was. It's like, what are you doing? You know, and so that's something that I would look at with any kind of body worker. Mm-hmm. You know? And personally, I find, you know, Olympic weightlifting, yoga, 
um, you know, dance, various forms of dance to be as like some of the most effective form of body work in existence and some of the oldest. You know, dance is one of the oldest forms of communication, oldest forms of like exercise. We just didn't see it as exercise. We just saw it as part of our life. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I, I actually had this, like, I've been watching these dance shows for all these years. Like, so you think you can dance and stuff. And I watched the dancers and I'm just so impressed by how strong they are, you know, and just in that, in that, that fluidity and that movement and just like stopping on a dime doing, oh, like, I, I can't even imagine. I, I like, I've, I did martial arts for, for nine years as well. I did Taekwondo. Um, and, and I, I, I have pretty fluid movement, but what they do is insane. And I, I just have such an appreciation for dancers. Yeah. I never thought I would have when I was like, like in my teens and stuff and doing like whatever I was doing sports and everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you take the, the, the foundations that you learn from say like modern dance or hip hop or break in or, you know, whatever, and translate that into just like roughly learning some MMA type techniques. Like you have such a strong, or, or anything for that matter, yeah. you have such a strong integrated matrix of proprioception. You know, like your matrix is just, you, you have these layers that someone that just works at an office job and goes and does like bicep curls and pull-ups, like they're not even close. Mm-hmm. You know, so learning all those angles and being able to stop at a dime, like you're saying, and then jump and land and yeah, yeah, on your strength. hands and yeah. twist and flexibility and strength, yeah. and then be able to turn into mush and lay on the ground and be soft. Like all of that is 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 uh, it's invaluable forms of fitness. Yeah, we don't really. It's not as like you don't see that on like muscle and fitness so often. It's just out of our paradigm of, of what normal fitness is. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, now, I do want to ask you about uh, if you have any sort of uh, meditation routine that you practice um, on a daily basis, weekly, whatever, whatever it may be. Just do you have anything that you do aside from movement? Because I would say movement in itself is some form is a form of meditation. Um, yeah, movement's kind of like cheating, though. Mm. It's like it's like easy. It's kind of like slackline or something like that. I'm like yeah. totally meditating when I'm like focused on balancing online. I'm like, of course you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But being able to sit with yourself in silence without like, you know, like deep introspective time. work, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's uh, really valuable. So I do, I just finished a Vipassana meditation just like uh, a few months ago. And from there um, I picked up Vipassana style meditation. And so I'll sit, usually you're supposed to do it for an hour. Um, I'll do like 15 to, to 20 minutes and um, depending on how I feel. And as I do that, I'll do uh, before bed pretty much every night. Um, in the morning, I'll do like a shorter one, like a little like five minute thing. And the Vipassana style meditation, you're essentially going through and doing a, a bio scan, like a body scan. And you go through and you feel any sensation that you feel. Start off, you can feel through your nostrils, which is a great practice for people. Uh, feel the air going into your nostrils, out of your nostrils. And then feel um, any sensation that you feel on the top of your head and then the side of your head, ears, throat, all the way through your body. So you essentially go through, just like you're going through like an x-ray machine. You go through and feel, do I feel any sensation in any of my armpit? And then eventually, with Vipassana-style meditation, like after like you know a long 10-day retreat type thing, you can literally start to feel this vibration um, or sensation inside your organs. So you can, you can take your attention. You really, I mean, I, I like did this. I'm not like a master guru by any means, but I could feel it. I was doing it. Um, you can take your attention, literally go beneath the skin and go and feel into the liver and in the intestines and go into the back of the spine. 
um, eventually that the term for being able to like get the body to, this is probably out there. I apologize for people that are like, you know, weirded out by this, but, um, you get to the point where they call it a bung bunga and bunga is like where you can, with your attention, you can get to the point where your body essentially dissolves. And I've only experienced that like, um, a couple times or so. Have you experienced anything like this before? Um, specifically like that, I've, I've felt my, my physical self, um, I was doing like a heart opening meditation in, the, in, a, in my shower. I do a meditation in the morning sometimes where yeah. I will almost, uh, I, I do like it's through a visualization. I, I see like a doorway and there's like a kind of a light coming through the doorway, a beaming light. It's almost like I'm confronting my, my higher self again. I don't like using that word, but, I, but it's the easiest way I can describe yeah. Um, it, it, there's no physical form to it, it's just radiant light, pure love energy. When I'm brought before it, I usually, uh, I'm, I, I'm head down the uh, entire time. It takes me about 15 minutes and I'll get to this point. And it's almost like, uh, it's almost like just radiation tears away my flesh, my bones, everything just tears away. All that's left is my heart center. Um, and the visualization is almost of Christ or Hanuman opening up the chest and just the heart being exposed. At that point, it's almost brought to union with the love, the radiant, powerful love that is that, that bright light. That it's almost, but I have to take that step through that doorway, you know, in order to, to almost ex accept that I want to be met with this, this love. Yeah. Uh, and I've had this with shrooms as well. But it's, it's not, I don't have to, it doesn't take me 15 minutes with shrimps. It's like immediate. And I felt the same powerful. It was almost like a, a well of love being poured over my head. Uh, it was really cool. But, but it's almost like I do disintegrate in that way when I'm, when I'm confronted with this. So yeah. it's very similar to what you describe in that sense. Yeah, Joe Dispenza talks about you need to, you need to lose the body to, what does he say? Lose the body to, to, to become the body. Lose the mind to become the mind. I think something like that. The second part might be a little, little messy, but, but something along those lines, like to get to the point, it's kind of like as a child, like as a baby, they're like this perfect reflection of whatever God, you know, whatever term not source, whatever you want to put on it. Um, and then from there they become an identity and they attach all these different filters and ideas and ideals. Right. Um, and then to get to that next level, it's like you have to lose all of that and come back into that childlike aspect of yourself and still, you know, pay your taxes and drive your car and like know how to do your shit, you know, but that's like a really high level human being mm -hmm. where if you're just at that kind of superficial, like crust layer of, of like the filters that you learn throughout, you know, grade school and high school and college and get the job and, you know, make girls think you're awesome or whatever, make you yeah. think you're awesome by, you know, your abs or whatever your thing is. Um, that's just one step, you know, but you got to, so you got to accrue all of the shit and then you have to drop all of the shit and then you have to, in an organized fashion, pick up what you choose actually serves you and continue walking. Mm -hmm. I, I asked Ram Dass the, a question that's very much like what you're, what, you're, what you're speaking of. And it's how do you maintain one foot in the world in this reality and one in the void? So right. in that, in that space, in that childlike space. Um, and and it, it is really interesting. I almost, I was thinking about it this morning, actually. It's almost like you walk around with this signpost that has your name, has what you do, has everything. Now it has your Instagram profile and all that crap, but it's there and you're walking around like, this is me through the world, right? But uh, yeah. 
you know, it's, it's when these people are, and then when a lot of people, and sometimes it happens to me too, of course, but this is simple ego and it's, you get so attached to this sign, like, wow, look at this thing, it's going, oh, and it's yeah. growing and it's getting bigger and it's bright and it's, I'm walking through, you know? Um, so it, it's, it's the release of all that and then trying to get rid of the attachment to it. I find actually what helps me a lot through meditation is uh, visualizing my own, my own death, the, the sure. loss of my sign and all those people I know. And if I can bring myself to that point, I come out of that meditation, like, like feeling just renewed, like feeling like what, like, you know, it's like, if I, if I'm working, I close deals. I'm like, I don't have this like excitement high and low to the events of the world. I'm more just kind of like taking the middle path, the middle way, which is kind of like a Buddhist, uh, I'm sorry, which is like a Buddhist. uh, Yeah. Stokes have been doing that forever. You know, that's like, we, we, I think we get, we get overly, uh, focused on optimism, which I think is like broken. I don't think like you need to be prepared for a hurricane. You know, if you like, like weather happens, that's part of being in this human experience, like shit happens, you know? And so if you're just always like optimistic, like rainbows all the time, because okay. that's all I think about, you probably going to be in a, in a rough place when a fucking hurricane comes, you know? So I think that's, but then you can also get stuck on the other side where you're excessively pessimistic all the time, always planning, always, you know, and it's like waiting yeah. for the attack. It's like, well, that's imbalanced too. You know, so figuring it's like you mentioned like Buddhism is like the middle way. Mm. You know, so you need to have a really a balance between all the fucked up shit that can potentially happen and all of the infinite beauty that's happening at the same time. You know, and I think that's, again, that's a whole person. If you can really be tuned into that whole thing, um, you're safe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? true. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, so I, I think we covered a lot of the things like I did have again, set questions, but I think we covered quite a bit. Um, set questions I, are nonsense. You don't yeah. I usually just have them <laughs> building blocks for the conversation, yeah. but they never really get, because they always get touched on in the conversation. But right. I did want to ask you about your five day movement challenge because I yeah, saw that on the website and I think it's something that would draw people in because it's five day. I do. I like to do little challenges too, because yeah. you know, they're, they're quick, easy and, and they get people involved. Yeah. It's super simple, man. So that's, so where my, my, like the, the head of my spear is with the movement conversation is that a hundred percent of the time you're doing movement. You know, you mentioned like the looking out into the distance when you're inside walls, like you're the ciliary muscles around your eyes. They need to expand and contract just like full range of motion of your biceps. You wouldn't do like half, you know, little quarter bicep curls. Well, a lot of people do, um, you know, but that's, that's unacceptable. You know, that's a partial range of motion. We do that with our eyes, you know, the same thing we do that with our hips. You know, so right now I'm sitting on the floor. I'm in a 90, 90 position. Um, you know, I've, I've went from in and out of like crossing my legs, doing like a hamstring stretch. You know, so we can start to just make subtle shifts in our lives that really, truly make our whole entire life therapeutic, our, our movement life, which becomes our emotional life and all the other you know, aspects of you. And so the five-day movement challenge is just a simple breakdown uh, for people on how to start to, one, like integrate, you know, like you're into CrossFit stuff or like lifting weights, like the hip hinge. Mm-hmm. And the hip hinge is something that you can be practicing every time you pick up a bar of soap you know, this is back into the rolfing references, the homoerotic yeah. references. And every time you pick up a, if you're in prison, you're picking up bars, so make sure to use the hip hitch. Yeah. Um, but anytime you're picking anything up off the ground, anytime you're getting in and out of your car, you can hinge your hips back into that seat, you know? And then another one of the things in the challenge is like how to augment your seat slightly so that you actually have a stacked upright spine as you're driving. 
You know, so now you're practicing that same position that you're going to put all this energy into practicing as you're doing your deadlifts or your, you know, your front squats or whatever. But the whole car ride there for the 30 minutes it took you to get to the gym, you were practicing the opposite of what you're, what you're going to put your intention to at the gym. You know, so there's a possibility that we can alter things so slightly that literally your whole entire day becomes uh, much more of a practice. Hmm. If you can do that, then in, again, six months, two years, 50 years, you are a completely different person. You're like that's, that's like the tidal wave that really forms us. And then we, you know, we have these little like buoys that we throw out of like we did a CrossFit, you know, twice a week or we did a yoga class for 45 minutes. Um, but if you can tap into that, like the other 15 hours a day of how you occupy your body, you're, you made it, you've arrived, you know, all of a sudden the other stuff, it just becomes fun, but it doesn't become the thing that saves you. Your existence becomes the thing that saves you. And that's kind of that's kind of what the five day challenge is about. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way. That's a great way to describe. I could I could take that as a clip, and you can put it on your website and and convert some sales off. Yeah, that. I should describe what the damn five day challenge is. I don't even. Describe yeah, it. seriously, you should do a, like a little pointing it like an asshole. Right. Um, no, that's great. I think it's it's just a matter of breaking those dysfunctional movement patterns that. And we all get so accustomed to it. And I feel like the human mind is so quick to pick up a new movement pattern, even if it is dysfunctional. Like, um, sure. even just, uh, yeah, like bending over to pick something up. Often I think about that. And it's only until I started lifting that I was like, why don't I treat this more like a deadlift? Because I feel like I'm not activating the proper muscles. I'm doing it like a lazy hip hinge just to pick something up in a convenient way. Yeah. without fully being cognizant of like the whole process involved and all the muscles involved and, and everything it, it, the same way I am now when I'm deadlifting something, cause you have to be, otherwise you're going to get hurt. But yeah. it's like, I should do that with everything. I've slowly been getting better and better at when I go pick up the soap, you know, I, I, I will do the hip hinge. Now I'm going to think of something entirely different when I do that. But and you, have I think, a mirror. you have a mirror in front of you to pick up the soap too, just in yeah, case. Yeah. Just back. in case someone's there to roll. Yeah, you, you never know. You don't even get roll. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> You can leave that part out of your of your promo piece, though, if you do. <laughs> <laughs> I might get a lot. Of, you, know, you never. Yeah, know. I was going to say. Never mind. A different, a different demographic would be right. 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 Which Another a big get. a big thing for people to to uh, think about, ponder on, like takeaway um, is just spend more time on the floor. Uh, you know, so that's that's one of the other leading aspects of what I give a damn about for people. That's just highest leverage thing that you can do that'll absolutely change your life, and it costs you literally like nothing. Um, it's not like a hydraulic desk. I don't know what kind of desk you got, but you, you spend thousands yeah, of dollars on a hydraulic desk. You know, it's like, damn, like if you're on the floor, it forces your body. A, it brings your legs closer to your heart. So now all of a sudden circulation is dramatically easier, right? So you're not developing varicose veins and you know, all the bullshit in your legs from standing there and stagnating blood down your legs all day. Um, B, it forces you to get all the way down and all the way up. So now you're doing this way more vast conversation of moving fluids through your whole entire body. You're going through a deep squat position. You're getting all that mobility in your hip hinge. Um, a part of that is the last little thing. Cause I'm like ranting. Um, if you look at cultures that poo pee, you know, sleep, spend time on the ground, North Africa, um, Southeast Asia, what was the other place? I think Eastern Mediterranean area was another place. There's like studies around this. They have like minimal to no incidence of osteoarthritis around the hips. You know, so their, their, their hip function is through the roof 
not because they CrossFit, not because they Olympic lift. They just fucking sit on the floor. <laughs> you know, so we're doing all this crazy stuff to ameliorate the damage that we're doing in the way that we inhabit our bodies on a momentary basis. Meanwhile, if you just do a little bit, it's like the meek shall inherit the earth, kind of like Bible verse thing. Yeah. You know, if you, like if you get back into your roots, you know, that's what all the Bible stuff says too and all the different religious texts, like stay to the ground. You know, that's, I thought, where is it? I think it's like the Bhagavad Gita slash yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah that, yeah, that does ring a bell. And that's why I even like to do meditations like in my basement more so than I do. Oh, interesting. I, yeah, yeah, I feel, and that's actually why, because I have this, this shower that I use in the mornings. I like to do it on stone because it's like the, uh, just a certain more raw material. It's in my basement and it's a big shower that I can actually do yoga stretches and stuff. Um, right. But just that, I feel like it's just so much more powerful because I've also experimented with doing um, more of like an Islamic type of um, Muslim daily prayer, like throughout the day, five times a day, this and that. Oh. And those I do like anywhere. I don't feel the connection as I do when I'm in my basement in the dark. And I wonder if it's just this primal, you know, sense of being like in a cave, yeah. you know, um, awesome. I don't know. You've anchored that place. You know, That's so. it too, you know, because sometimes I'll just be taking a damn shower and I'll get emotional as hell. And I'm like, what? what? I'm not even thinking about anything. It's just that I have this feeling of, of you know, that energy of when I do that practice in there. So, yeah, That's a really programming term, anchoring. Um, you know, so you can anchor certain smells, certain sounds, like your pre-workout thing. I, we were talking about, I used to play ice hockey. So before, they would have a consistent track that they play as we're skating around and we're like, you know, doing the puck stuff and all that. Mm. And I just get psyched, you know, because I've, I've anchored that song. Even if I heard it someplace else, you know, those songs that were like pre-game, now my neurology says, whoa, here we go. Like, get as charged as you possibly know how to because you're about to, you know, perform in this thing um but you can also do that things with like sleep you know like really creating a, a, a powerful container for your sleep and really respecting your sleep is something that we you know a few of us have like a real like practice ceremony container around we just kind of mm -hmm. like hopefully we fall asleep at a reasonable time which is like usually like one in the morning yeah um, yeah with the cell so, phone next to you and all like yeah, yeah just yeah. yeah like staring aimlessly into you know instagram videos until you eventually pass out mm -hmm. um, you know, you can start to augment that a little bit and just little like something like lavender oil, you know, it's like naturally it makes you feel relaxed and all that anyway. Um, but you consistently have that. And if you do anchor that and make that be, you trigger your neurology to say, oh, I smell that thing. I, it's bedtime. You can take that into the hotel room. You take that into the music festival or college campus, or whatever it is and say, oh, cool. I have this little, like, it's almost like a superpower. Mm. You could do that. So it sounds to me like you've kind of anchored that basement yeah. as being a place where you've practiced that over and over. You go in there, all of your, you know, biology goes, okay, we meditate here. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. I never would have associated that word anchoring. Mm. So thank you for that. That's great. Yeah. I, I do like that. And I actually carry around, uh, sometimes if I'm, if I know I'm going out for, for a long trek, through the city of Toronto, which can be kind of hectic or something. But if I know I got to do something, I actually have a necklace that's filled with um, frankincense, myrrh, oh, cool. something else. And I'll smell it because it actually just, it chills me right out. Like, back. Yeah, yeah, I can be pissed about like anything, traffic, anything else. It's, it's, people must think it's like a little cocaine necklace or something, but I'll like undo this thing and I'm, yeah. I'm good, you know? I, I do that with a necklace, but I actually put cocaine in it. Ah, I'll do it. <laughs> Opposite effect. <laughs> it's, no, go. Okay, you're out. 
if I'm with a bunch of like, you know, hipster, new age, like conscious people, I'll just, I'll just do a toot and yeah. then I'll go for a jog. Totally different, yeah. totally different yeah. experience. Yeah. yeah. So those people are, yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I do go to some of those, uh, I go to some concerts and uh, you know, yeah, chanting good. concerts and it's a lot of yeah. like, Hey man. That's the big takeaway of the podcast. Get yourself a cocaine necklace. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you that's, that's, run. The, that's the six day challenge. Oh shit. On the sixth day. On the sixth day. Yeah, you take a hit and you just go. You do take you off. Go. Yeah. That's movement yeah. therapy right there. Yeah. yeah. But first yeah. you gotta hardwire the, the the functional mechanics in before you can handle the amphetamine. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all about it's all about keeping it, you know, <laughs> keeping it professional, keeping it, Keep it yeah. pro. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Keep balance. It's the middle path. Yeah, that's the middle way. Co- yeah. Cocaine necklace. Okay. <laughs> I think we should end it on that. <laughs> Hashtag cocaine cocaine necklace. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so where can people find you? Uh, again, I'm going to put all your info in the, the show notes on the, uh, podcast page, uh, on iTunes, all that stuff, but where can people get, to um, you? I mean, Instagram is where I'm probably the most active. Some people jump on a line podcast on Instagram. Um, if you just serve Aaron Alexander line podcast, it'll, it'll come up. Obviously I host a podcast. I have all sorts of interesting folks on there and, um, ranging from whatever people that if they're listening to this, they'd, they'd like it. It's like Wim Hof and, you know, Kelly Starrett and I, don't know, I just look up the line. They're really great people. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the website and all that stuff, but you can find just Instagram is fine place to start. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got to do this and, um, yeah, maybe we'll do it again sometime, but it's, it's yeah, been a man. pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, brother. Yeah. Very thanks cool. for it, man. I will see you on, on the interwebs, on Instagrams, all that stuff. Yeah. 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 See, let me know if you make it out to, uh, Los Angeles. Man. I, I will. I will. Cause honestly, it's like, there's a, there's a ton of people that I would love to stop by and just visit and see and hang out with and train with and all that. And it's, it's, it's like a long time coming. So if you come out, let me know and we'll get you my, my freezer It'd be next level. Okay. okay. Yeah. Oh, you're fine. You're from China. You're already frozen. You've already frozen enough. Yeah. For LA people. That's like my, that's like my, my big, uh, you guys are spoiled with the weather. Like it's quite nice. It, oh man. Yeah. Yeah, it gets interesting here. Gets very interesting here, especially in the winter. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward. I have a love hate relationship. Let's just put it that way with the whole winter thing. I do like the the cold therapy. I do like all that. But then there's some days where I'm like, man, I just want some sunshine, and I just want to, you know. But yeah. yeah. Well, all right. Bring it out to LA. Yep, I will let you know. And uh, thanks again. Yeah, bro. Thanks so much. Yeah. Ciao.